And I think that's why I've really realized in the last year or so of writing these two books that you have to love what you're writing. Of course, some days we don't want to do it. So it doesn't mean that we always like, but I think you have to be passionate about the story. You have to be passionate about the characters. It doesn't make it easy, but it means that it is actually a joy to sit down and you realize the privilege to do what we do. Welcome to Rights for Women, a podcast all about celebrating women's voices and supporting women writers. I'm Pamela Cook, women's fiction author, writing teacher, mentor and podcaster. Before beginning today's chat, I would like to acknowledge and pay my respects to the Dharawal people, the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, along with the traditional owners of the land throughout Australia, and pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. And a quick reminder that there could be strong language and adult concepts discussed in this podcast, so please be aware of this if you have children around. Let's relax on the convo couch and chat to this week's guest. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Rights for Women. This episode is part two of a chat that I started with Rachel Johns and that episode went to air a couple of months ago. It was just Rachel Johns and I on the Convo couch chatting about writing, what was happening with our writing, what books we were reading, all the things to do with books and writing and the writing life. And it turned out to be a really popular episode. And I did mention at the time when we were recording that episode that there may be a part two because I'd written a very rough list of questions to chat to Rachel about and topics for us to shoot the breeze about. And we pretty much only got through half that list. Both of us like to have a bit of a chat. Rachel and I chatted and decided that we would do a part two at some stage and are just getting around to that now. I have a few things to chat to Rachel about to do with the writing life, her writing process. And of course, we're right on the brink of Rachel's new book, The Work Wives, um, coming out. It's a copy of it here with this gorgeous cover. And I'm going to be, I haven't actually read it yet. I'm going to confess. I have had, I've got an arc there and I've got this copy and I will definitely be getting on to that. And I'm really excited to talk to Rachel about it. Rachel has also just very recently interviewed Sally Hepworth for the podcast. And Sally's someone that I've been meaning to get onto the podcast for quite some time. And she's been on my list. And I know that Sally and Rachel are quite good mates. When Rachel and I were chatting last week about a potential guest for her to interview for Rights for Women, I threw Sally's name out there and two days later I had that interview in my inbox. So that's definitely one that will be coming out very soon. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm sure there's some amazing stuff on there for us between Rachel and Sally. And Rachel, of course, will be coming back either at the end of the year or early into next year with some more guest hosting spots that she's doing for Rights for Women. So without any further ado, let's jump onto the Rights for Women Convo Couch and welcome Rachel Johns to chat all things writing. And Rachel Johns, welcome to welcome back to the Rights for Women Convo Couch. Thanks, Pam. It's such a pleasure to chat with you as usual. <laughs> yes, we had our chat, which came out a couple of months ago, and it's actually been a really popular episode. People have loved just listening to us ramble out writing, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good then. <laughs> we come back for more. Yeah. And for anybody who can't see, I will take a screenshot, but Rachel has a gorgeous top on that she has made herself covered in typewriters with love, a beautiful gold love heart on the paper. Pink typewriters. typewriters. I need to get more of this fabric because I do like it. So I need to make people, I I wouldn't mind making a dress like you said. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That'd make a great dress. And because we were talking last time about doing things other than writing to keep our creative juices flowing. And of course, one of the things for you was sewing. Oh, yeah, I must admit, I don't think I've done any since then. <laughs> Life's been a bit hectic in the last couple of months. I don't know why, it just seems to have been. And yeah, I think the other thing is earlier in the year, I think I mentioned that I did sewing one, one morning a week and I did classes and stuff, but the classes finished. And, and so then actually, like when it was something that I had specific time to do each week, I did it. And yep. Yeah, of course, then that was before the Romance Writers Conference was a part of and stuff. So it kind of, life just got a bit crazy. And then you get out of the habit of doing stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. important. Rather than I'm hearing yeah. you. Yep. 
But yeah, no, based on that top, I think you're doing beautifully. And of course, I know why you've been busy, Rachel, because <laughs> work wives. the work wives, which is coming out next week. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, it's today, Thursday. Yeah. So next, this one week today, right, okay. the podcast will, will be aired, but yes. One week from it will actually. It's going to be, I'm putting multiple episodes out this week. So, oh, wow. You're important. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's amazing. Look at that. Like, it's a chunky tome. It is. It's funny. It's, it looks, I don't know what publishers, some books seem to be longer, but their word, word length is the same, but they look thicker. I just, I don't know if it's bigger print or paper. That's pretty average length for my women's fiction books, but I swear, yeah, it looks thicker than some of them. How long was it? How many words? That one? Oh my gosh. It started the first draft because I'm very much an overwriter. I don't know if we've talked about this. I don't know if you are. I feel like you're either an overwriter or an underwriter. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm a bit under actually. Yeah. I um, tend to underwrite. It's probably a graphical with greener thing, but I'm like, oh, I wish I was an underwriter because I get to 100,000 words. I th- I've realized this over the last few years and I'm over it. I think if I could do, because so that book was 134,000, wow. but that was cut back a lot. I really overwrote that first draft. It was, I think when I first finished, it was about 170,000 words. Oh my And I managed to cut it down to like 160 to submit. And they were, this is too long. And there was just, I think it was because I had lots of things I wanted to fit in the book, but I hadn't, being a pantser, but like you hadn't, mm. hadn't really zoned in on what the main crux of the story was about. So I added all this other little stuff, office stuff that in the end didn't actually become that important so we could get rid of it. But yeah, I'm definitely an overwriter and I wish that I could be an underwriter or even better, a spot on writer. <laughs> Because, yeah, I would be likely, but like, I guess everyone gets sick of writing after you've been. Novel, even if you write reasonably short novels, a novel is still a big project, right? Yeah. It's different yeah. to an essay or a short story or something like that. And it takes, um, unless you're super, super fast, like some people we know, mm. it takes a good amount of time. And I think, so by the end of it, I'm just starting to get, I just start getting sick of it. And I just think, Oh, not think of the story so much. Just think of the, I just want it to end. Yeah, I just want it to end and you feel like it's never going to end. So I think, I just think, oh, if I could only write a hundred thousand word book, maybe it'd be, per- maybe life would be perfect, <laughs> but probably wouldn't. And I'd probably be annoyed that I couldn't write an 80,000 word book. <laughs> never happy. <laughs> you think because you are such a pants though, which I know that you have now embraced that aspect yeah. of your writing, so. which we yeah. talked about. Do you think that? Writing 170 or however many words is like your way of learning the story and getting to know the characters? Sadly, yeah. I do think it would be like, like I think if you do pet, oh, I guess you go either way. Some people just really write fast, get the story down, and then now, you know, they have to add, like maybe that you said. But I feel like for me, even some things I know, this is probably not, it sounds really weird, like I should just not write those parts. But some things I know, this might not end up in the book or this is boring, I don't think, but I just need to write it to get to the next stage for myself. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. It's yeah, no, it does. Yeah. I feel like the next bit. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah, I don't, I, it's hard to explain and I just think everyone's so different. But I do think, although, yes, this book was very, every book is different as well. I think probably, I'm trying to think if I have more because I've written another book since since writing that one. I think if I have more of an idea of the plot, I'm less likely to go over than if I'm feeling my way. So, yeah, it probably is. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. It does. Yeah. And like, was that you? Yeah. It's just finding your process. Mm. And it changes. As I said, book to book. It does change. I, do, I really do. Yeah. Some books you might really have a strong idea of the beginning and the middle might take you a little bit while and then other books you've got an idea of where you're going a lot more even if you are like when I say I'm a pantser I'd say it means that I don't outline paper or whatever a lot beforehand but I still some books I do have the plot already in my head if that makes sense yeah yeah not as many books as I'd like (laughs) like I I prefer (laughs) that but then also like I'm thinking I've already I've written a synopsis for the next book which I rarely ever do but I had it in my head and I, I wrote it down and I can see what some people say in terms of the reason they like pantsing is because once you've got the, if you write the outline, they're bored. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah that, and, that's and I a surprise like for you. Like that, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't know. So I just think you just got to embrace whatever way works for you. Yeah. But you would have to give, because you're contracted for each book, aren't you? Yeah. So you would have to give a synopsis to your publisher before starting? Well, no, I don't actually, usually, no. So I've just been contracted the last few years of, say, two rural romances and two women's fiction. Sometimes I've given a vague idea, but no, I don't usually have to do a synopsis before I start. Um, Good. Because I think that's because they are happy with the same publisher for hell, 12 years almost. Yeah. They kind of that they know what I can do and they know my process doesn't necessarily, I just usually can't write a synopsis yeah, because I'll get halfway maybe if that far and I'll be like, and something bad will happen. I don't know what. <laughs> and it will be, it will be resolved in some kind of way. And so there's not really much point in me giving them that because it's not going to give them any. So they just basically want to know, say for my next book that I'm planning to write, it's called, I think, The Party Girl. And it's been something I've been wanting to write for a while. And I'm still a bit nervous about saying this because I've, um, it's been an idea. I don't know. I'm sure you've got things like this. I think we've probably talked before where you've got something you want to write about or it's a vague sort of story, but you're not, you don't feel like you're ready. Mm, uh, definitely. And then we've talked about Elizabeth Gilbert's book, I think, before, in terms of if you don't write it. That's right. Somebody, somebody else, else will. <laughs> because the idea will get sick of waiting. So the next book, I've only basically just told them I, I, what I wanted to write for a long time was a group of women in multi-level marketing. That's right. We have yeah, talked about yeah, that before. I think I'm finally going to do it. And I've seen books written with the elements of that in the last I read. Um, Tori Hashka's, I think it's how you say her name, Arresting the Family, and that has a tiny element of it in there. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, but it's totally different again. Okay. To learn. Everyone's ideas are very different. But, yeah, I really don't have a huge idea at all about that. I think that's why I've been scared to mm. do it because I know what I want to do, but I don't know how I'm going to do it. But then, as you said, we're, embrace, we're about embracing the process and the pants thing, and I know sometimes I just really have to trust the process and go, I've got a vague idea. I've got characters. I just need to let them go. But I think one of the things scary about that is when you are on contract, you know, I sometimes think, oh, if I knew I had five, I could write, write. Yeah, that's right. The time thing. doesn't matter. I, I can go down the wrong path or I can start writing and realize, oh, no, that's not the story I want to tell and I can move on. But yeah, when you've got the pressure of a contract, which is a privilege to have, yeah. but it also means you. I think you, I worry more about getting something wrong because I know that I don't have time to get it wrong if that makes sense exactly yeah and that's the thing isn't it like you say if you start and then get and we've talked about this before too you get to a point in the book where you think I know this is all wrong this is and then you've got to go back to the beginning and then it's putting more time pressure on yourself Yeah. yeah at the same time I think like even if you are contracted no one wants to put out a book that they're not happy with. Like the publishers don't want to put out a dud book either. Although it's painful, the best thing to do, I think, in that sort of situation is they are, I need more time and hey, that might mean a book comes out later than it's supposed to, but it's better to have a book that everyone's happy with. They just chuck something out because you need to get a book done. Yeah, yeah I agree. I think you've got to think big picture, haven't you? Yeah. 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 However painful that can be. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Rach, with the, I'm confessing I haven't yet read the work by, it's but okay. I, it's definitely coming up to the top of my pile. Oh. And I was having a flick through the beginning. You have a prologue in this. Now, we've been talking about beginnings yesterday in my writing group, The Lovely oh, okay. Inkwell. Yeah. We were discussing beginnings and not particularly prologues, but opening sentences and mm-hmm. things. But did you, did this always have a prologue, like from the beginning of when you started really writing or not? Interesting question. I always knew that it was going to have a prologue and I wrote a prologue, which is almost the prologue that is in the book, but it has been edited back so that the prologue doesn't give as much away as I think my very first prologue gave too much away. It was very, the scene was the same and the characters were the same. What happened was the same, but it possibly foreshadowed too much of what was to come. So this prologue is middle of the book. You know how sometimes a prologue can be 10 years uh, before? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, before yep. it can be. So this prologue is something that happens in the very middle of the book. And I always knew that I wanted to do that. But my agent actually said, I don't think it's necessary. 
that the that the prologue kind of makes she she said she read the prologue and then she just wanted to get to the middle of the book and so all the stuff before uh-huh. then uh-huh. that was a valid point I had to really work on that's why we pared back the prologue a bit when but I, because I had written the prologue and the publisher agreed, so they were actually pushing for no prologue. But in the end, I think because I had written the prologue first and it was really strong in my sort of head, yeah. second chapter, the first chapter, which would have, yeah, chapter one, which would have been, well, it's chapter one now, but it's really the yeah. second you read, that to me wasn't a strong enough start. Right. Um, if that, so yeah. a lot of re, there was a lot of reshuffling around a couple of times in different drafts and stuff. It, we got lost the prologue and then we tried to shuffle chapters around the first couple. So that, cause, but in the end, I really stuck by my guns and I said, no, I do think it needs to be there. I'm happy to pair it back. But I feel like the second, the chapter you read next is the right one, but it's not a first chapter, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. You like it. When you open a page in a bookshop or you, you want that thing, as you said, you, I'm sure you're, group have been discussing this you want the first chapter or the first paragraph that sentence to to really grab people and draw them in and yeah the chapter that I had the second chapter is more scene setting and I don't think it's first chapter material if that makes sense (laughs) yeah yeah so when you so like you said the prologues from the middle of the book yeah when you get to that point in the middle of the book Mm. how do you then handle the fact that you've already got the prologue there, is that information then skipped over when you get to it in the middle? Or Yes and no. So the prologue is from one of the characters' point of view and then we get the same scene in the middle of the book but from a different character's point of view. Ah, good. And then you get the reaction after the scene, you jump to the first person that we had. So that's, yeah. that's, that's one of the things with multiple point of view characters or books we have more than one character. Yeah, you can play with things like that a bit more, whereas if it was a... A, a book with only one person's point of view, then yeah, well, which you'd have to repeat it or, but because it's, it's, it's a very important part of the book, but very different for the reactions of the two women. Like it's totally different why it's important to them. Like it, you're getting a totally different experience. Because, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to explain so that. It's kind of the same situation, but it's fresh when you get to it in the Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know a couple of earlier viewers and even said, oh, they didn't realise, hang on, it was the same until they got to the first first person in the next chapter. They're like, oh. <laughs> so give us a quick rundown of the plot for this one, Rach. So the worthwhile story of two, it's actually got three point of views, but two main, they're all actually, I'll say the three point of views that are all main. But the work wife's title refers to two women who work in an energy drink company. doesn't really matter what the company was. It's not the point of the book at the end. <laughs> it changed a few times. And they're, they're very, us, they're as different as Schitt's Creek and Downton Abbey. So we've got Quinn who is in her mid to late 20s who's addicted to dating apps. I read an article about dating apps and how they actually can be very addictive. It's a bit like the pokey machines because of the swiping and it's like, oh, yeah. One, one more time. Where's the next guy? It's better than this guy. So I just keep swiping. And then it's like hard to settle on someone because the, the next person you meet might, what might be better than that one. So, it's, yeah, that's true. Mm. Yeah, I've never I've been, been on a dating app. So I wouldn't. So either have I. <laughs> so I. I did sign up to eHarmony. Not, I didn't try Tinder or anything like that for research. But as soon as I got, I didn't publish my, my you know, profile because I didn't feel like that was the right thing to do for a number of reasons. <laughs> you had to, I had to try, I, I had to have a little, little play around. But yeah, and then the other woman is, so the first woman is desperate to find love and to have happy ever after kind of thing, to have kids and a family. She's in digital media. She's young. She's always on her phone, that kind of stuff. She wears bright clothing and she's really life the party type person. And then we've got Deb, who is her work wife, who they became really good friends through work, but they're very different. And Deb is a single mum to a 15 year old daughter, and she has sworn off men since having her daughter. And she's very much, she wears black, she slows under the radar, she works in account. So they're very different. And then the prologue, which you read, is a man, a new man coming into the office who has a history with both of them, but neither of them kind of know that the other one. And so that was, yeah, there's a bit of a. A few reviewers say there's a bit of a thrillerish aspect in it. It does deal with things like domestic violence and gaslighting and things like that, but then it's not a thriller and it's definitely very much family in the women's fiction genre, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So what book number is this for you, Raj? 
Oh, I did actually look up this other day. So this is number 18 with Harlequin Australia. So it's 18 full-length print novels. And then I have digital novellas. I have three novels and bones. So I think all up it's 29, if we count in one very small short one. So I play 28. Yeah, count them all. <laughs> 28 or 29. And yeah. so when you get to this point, you're a week out from publication, you've had that many books out, how... Does it feel any? Does it feel different each time, or how are you experiencing that sort of pre-publication phase at the moment? Yeah, I want to say it doesn't feel different every time you see a show. I'm sure you understand this too. Every time you see a book on the shelf, it's still a, it's still a joy. But the truth is, it does. It's a bit like Christmas as you get older. I feel it's less exciting as when you were five. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, like I'm really excited about getting out there and talking about the book and, and meeting people and going back over um, east for a tour and all that kind of stuff. But maybe I'm just getting older and tired and I'm just like, <laughs> it's also a big thing. And I think what I'm really enjoying, again, is I'm really enjoying the writing of a book. Mm. I went through a stage where it was like, <sighs> it's a drag to write. It feels, and then it was always like, oh, the, the book and seeing the cover and all that's all the exciting kind of part. But maybe it's also because I haven't done any of that for three years. That there's a little, there's excitement. There's also a little bit like, oh my gosh, I know how exhausting that's going to be. Yeah. And now I'm just itching to get back and be able to write the next book. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. I think it, it just, it's like you're on a never ending wheel. I kind of think. So it's, this is exciting, but I'm already thinking about the next book kind of thing. I don't know if that's making any sense. But, yeah. well, I guess it does too, because by the time you get to this stage, you've looked at those words so many times. Mm. You've written it, you've revised it, you've revised it again. It's been through structural draft, structural yeah. edit, copy edit. So you definitely get to that point, you know, where it's just, yeah, okay, that's done. Move yeah, on. I think you're right. And also I realised with this book, because I did, I have been through a very, the last couple of years, up and down stages with my writing, that I really found the love again, writing this book. Mm. It oh, was good. Fun. I'd sit there. I can think of myself sometimes just sitting at my computer and smiling, going, oh, I really like these characters and stuff. And so that that's make me happy. And I know now that that book is out there, well, almost out there, and not everyone's going to like it. So that's just part of the way it is. But I almost don't care because it helped me bring my writing back. So I don't know. I feel like a little bit different about this book because I'm excited about going on tour. I haven't done it for a long time. I'm also, this is my joy and my book. Mm. And I, I, it's hard to explain. It's really mm. weird. <laughs> no, but that's like, if I don't like it, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not everybody's going to love everything we write. So, yeah. but, but for you to be able to say, yeah, this really brought the joy of writing back for me. Yeah. It's amazing. And I think that's made me realize what's important and that we do this because originally we liked stories, we liked writing. And becoming a commercial sort of writer, like where you're writing, you know, multiple books on deadlines and stuff, it's like that that changes things and it's easy to, but to me, you know, why I do this is the writing and the books. I like meeting people and I like going out, talking to people and stuff. But I think in the last few years it's been easy that social media and talking and interacting with readers and stuff has almost taken over and it's, that's such a big part of our job these days. Yeah. That I'm realizing, oh yeah, that's a part of it, but that's not the biggest part. And so I'm just, yeah, finding joy back in, in what is the biggest part. And that kind of changed my perspective on the whole industry, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that's great. So since, as you say, since this has been finished and gone to the printer and everything, you have completed another book, which I think is The Reinvention of Adeline Walsh. Yeah, it may be changing titles because The Reinvention okay. of Adeline Walsh is linked to something to talk about and talk of the town. So they've both had a talk. So oh, I think yeah. at the moment, but I think it may be going to be called Talk to the Heart instead of Talk to the Hand. Okay. No? Okay, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I, to call it, um, I wanted to call it Talk of the Devil, but apparently that's not the right genre and may turn off some people. <laughs> it could be interpreted as a bit of a supernatural element. Yeah. Or yeah, element or something. Yeah. Exactly. No. So did that sort of joy that you found in writing The Work Wives, did that continue on with the next yeah did you manage were you able to maintain that yes I did and I think that's why I've really realized in the last year or so of writing these two books that you have to love what you're writing of course some days we don't want to do it so it doesn't mean that we always like but I think you have to be passionate about the story and you have to be passionate about the characters it doesn't make it easy 
but it means that it is actually a joy to sit down and you realize it's a privilege to do what we do in it. So I, I did. I worked out. I'm writing stuff that I want to read. I'm writing stuff that I love. I'm having fun. I'm doing, I, I'll mix things up like the next book is about a nun and an atheist. And it's like people will be like, send you some scenes and then they might be like, hey, are you allowed to do that? And I'm like, yes, I can do what I like because it's this is my book. We'll speak because I haven't had the edits or feedback yet, but my crit partner in this book, the hero, so the heroine is a nun in the beginning of the book. The hero is sleeping with someone else instead of friends with benefits relation. And she's, whoa, you're really pushing boundaries in this one. I'm like, yes, I am. And I am having fun. So we'll see. But I think that's the other thing too. I think there's a balance. Like Macy Yates said it recently in her in her keynote that I then chatted about. Mm. I think it's a balance between love and business. Yeah. Yes, I am writing books for readers. It is my job. And so I'm going to obviously have to listen to my publisher when they and my editor when they say, oh, maybe you need to pull back on this bit or whatever. But I think the key in, in for the love is trying not to listen to those voices while you're have, writing your first draft. And yeah. so be, don't be precious enough that you're not going to change anything later, but really have fun and anything can be pulled back. But if you're having fun and enjoying that first draft, then, you know, whether it, hopefully it shows in the page, but it also makes life a whole lot, you know, a whole lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> I think the other thing too is you've got to remember we are writing fiction and readers are reading that to escape. They're not necessarily wanting to read. Yes. Okay. It has to be believable. Realistic. Yes. Realistic. But. They also want to escape. Like I'm reading Holly Ringland's book. Oh, yep. I just need that. Yeah. yeah. And something quite startling happens right at the beginning where she's yeah. driving. Yeah. Well, I don't know what you mean. Yeah. And I thought, oh, wow. And then I thought, oh, could that happen? And then I thought, well, yeah, probably could. But also then I thought, well, it doesn't matter because doesn't matter. I'm in the story and it's a fictional world that I'm going into. Yeah, exactly. And I think with books and stuff, we read um, for enjoyment and escape and that. And I think readers are often more um, accepting of weird and wonderful different things that you might yeah. um, do than uh, publishers. <laughs> you know, yeah, I agree. Ones that say, oh, is this going to fly with certain people or whatever. There's a reader out there for every kind of story. And I think readers are really open to write readings of different, just because you like a romance novel, say, it doesn't mean it has to follow all the conventions, rules that we've had. I think there used to be so much about, well, I'm talking about romance specifically here, really, but it used to be like the character must be likable. They must yeah. be likable meant. I think likable meant this different things, say, 20 years ago than it means now because the way we view the world has shifted a bit. A woman couldn't have couldn't have multiple partners or something and now you books that people are reading and loving called why choose a reverse harem where the woman literally has so i think and as i'm not saying everyone reads those books but as the as different niches become more like people having relationships with aliens in books and yeah yeah. so i think some of the things that used to be a no-no are now not so much of a no-no because of all the other things that have happened and yeah i do think yeah, it's a balance between listening to editing and stuff and also listening to yourselves and the voices and just going, no, I'm going to write. Because I think one of the things, and you've probably seen this too, because I know you've edited competitions, judge competitions, and yeah. you've done aspiring manuscripts and stuff. I feel like a lot of people in their early years of publishing, or not even or before being published, they listen to every single rule or every single bit of feedback they have, and it can really strip away the individuality of not only the voice, but also the story. And so it can almost feel like you're reading like paint by number. Yeah, it's that tick the box. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I think you've got to work out when to lean into your originality and when you've got it balance and it's a thing you won't always get right. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, like you say, that really listening to your gut and following your instinct with things. And it's like that thing too, usually, isn't it? If you give your, your manuscript or whatever to someone, a beta reader or an editor or something, and yeah. they come back with something, feedback, and your initial reaction is, oh, no, that's not, oh, I'm not yeah. doing that. And then but yeah. inside that little voice is going, you already knew that. You, yeah. you knew that, but you just didn't want to be bothered changing it. Or it's it's the way. Yeah. yeah, you're hoping that, you, you're hoping that no one would notice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can just get away with this. Yeah. Totally. Plenty of time. Absolutely. Speaking of books, Rach, what are you reading or what have you been reading lately? 
Oh, I mean, reading's a lot. I should have checked this, but actually what I'm reading at the moment as a reread, I'm just going to go into Goodreads and have a reminder, but I'm rereading Bridget Jones. Oh, that's right. I saw that on Insta the other night that you were rereading. It's really interesting because I think I read this book. came out now, I think about 25 years ago. Okay, uh, this thing, everybody, I don't think we mentioned the title. It's Bridget oh, Jones' Diary. Jones' <laughs> Diary, yeah. And it came out, I think, yeah, 1996, so about 25. I'm bad at math. It was a good couple of decades ago. Yeah. And I think what's happened is because I've watched the movie since then and probably watched the movie a couple of times, now when I think of Bridget Jones, the movie is what the plot yeah. I remember. So it was quite interesting to read this book. And I think a lot of most people have watched Bridget Jones' Diary, even if they haven't read the book. And it seems that's a love triangle story. That's right. And yeah. you've got the sexy boss, who's a bit, and then you've got Mark Darcy, who's a bit pompous. And, yeah, anyway, I thought there was a lot more romance in the book than there actually is, and I thought there was a lot more interactions. with. So reading this, it's very much just the journey of her yeah, and it's interesting. I was talking about with my friend Edia Hodgson yesterday in terms of as writers, we're always told we need to have strong goals and wounds and the conflict, yeah. all this kind of stuff. And Bridget is literally just a character who wants her life to be a little bit better than it. it is. She wants things that we all understand. She wants a secure relationship. She wants to lose a little bit of weight. She wants to quit smoking. She would rather her job be a little bit more fulfilling. So it's nothing hugely ma- massive. Mm. And major but it's really relatable yeah and yeah so it's very interesting I think reading something quite a few years after you first read it and then yeah because you see you pick up really different things and like you say when something's been so popular as a movie and I can't even count the number of times I've watched all three of the movies because I yeah, love, yeah. absolutely love I love last one Bridget Jones Baby a lot yeah. too <laughs> <laughs> I was so surprised that it was that good because by the time you get to the third one it's like, oh I'm not sure what yeah no totally so good but, but I think you then, yeah, like you say, everything's coloured by those actors and the way yeah. different aspects have been portrayed. And so it would be actually interesting to go back to the book. I've got it somewhere there on my uh, favourite <laughs> shelf. But and I have the other thing, thing, thing is all the things that are non-PC anymore. Like, oh, oh yeah, with one of the whole plot lines is not appropriate because it's the boss making inappropriate remarks about her skirt and her waist different thing and there's just a whole lot of other racist comments You're like my wife is a cruel race that's you, right yeah the mama things like this and it's just yeah we're so much more aware of that sort of stuff now so a lot of mm. it would be allowed to you know it wouldn't work today <laughs> but at the same time the rest of it the heart of the story is still very relatable because the same stuff that everyone deals with are still yeah yeah it's universal timeless <laughs> Well, yeah, that's that's the moment, I think, oh, sorry, just to pick up on that point you were saying about mother, that's the mother, Bridget's mother using that line of such yeah, a yeah. word. That's interesting because you're right. It's so not PC now. But if that's the way a character thinks. I know. I was thinking. And we put that into a book now. Do you think that is, what yeah, are your thoughts on that? If it's the character's opinion, not, yeah, it's not coming necessarily from the author. That's really hard because there are racist people and there are sexist people, there are homophobes. So do we just make all our characters perfectly? If they're on thinking is what they should be thinking and being. No, I feel like I would like to say, I suppose it maybe depends on what type of character it is. You probably don't want a racist character to be the hero of a boy-based character. No, but then you can use comments like that or, yeah, I don't know. I think publishers, and that's maybe the other thing is our whole traditional publishing versus indie publishing. I think publishers would be very worried about, yes. uh, like I've heard, historical authors having to clean up the war. And, oh, don't <laughs> say too much bad stuff about the Japanese. Writing Australia. Uh, because we don't want to offend it, but that's what, <laughs> that's literally what happened. And that's the way people thought in, the, in that time. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like, we have to be true to the past. And and I think, yeah, there are still people that think things that maybe other people don't think they should be thinking. So I feel like, yeah, we should be able to say, a character should be able to say that. And also age. I don't know. We know we were talking beforehand about the age of your mum. My mum's slightly younger, but not that much mm. and, and I've talked with friends and stuff, and their parents will say stuff that you can't say that. Oh, my God. Mum comes out with some grandkids. Oh, my grandkids. 
my kids say to my mum, jokingly, all we do, should be cancelled, should be cancelled. Yes. <laughs> it's just you're growing up in a different era. And yeah, again, unless say an 80-year-old character has reason for being really you know, politically correct and up with the times, then they probably will say a few things that are not. And they don't mean harm necessarily. <laughs> I don't know if there's any ever black and white answers to those questions either. Yeah. And I think sometimes, like, if it's contemporary fiction, I think if you have... You know, if you do have a character saying something like that and then one of the other characters, like, acknowledging, like, oh, yeah. you can't say that or it's racist or whatever. Yeah, now or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all, I guess that's the thing. It, as with everything you're writing, it, just, it depends <laughs> on the situation. It depends on the yeah. character. Yeah. Yeah. So what else did you say you've been reading? I think the same as you. I've read another book I really loved recently was Taylor Jenkins reads Carrie Soto is Back or whatever, even though I'm not a tennis person. I have read, I've been reading a bit of the romance stuff that's doing around on TikTok because I'm always quite interested. I read a, a book called Love in the Time of Serial Killer because I really oh, love the title. Okay. Can't say I love the book as much as the title. And yeah, I've read Jane Harper's Exiles recently. Have you read that yet? I haven't, no. That's interesting because I really enjoyed that book. Um, but I don't, it's not really a, the focus, there was a quite a big romance thread in there. Oh, okay. It wasn't your typical crime book. It was very much more character development of the, and so I really enjoyed it. But I wonder if some, I think everyone's loving it because everyone just loved Jane. Yeah. One. Die hard crime writers, if it's what they want. Yeah. What about you? What have you been reading lately? I've recently read The Branded by Joe Riccioni. Had Joe on the podcast last week. Um, and I'm not a fantasy reader. I did say this not to Joe, but it's a real page turner. And she's yeah. got really great female characters in there. The main character's quite strong and feisty and really. I haven't listened to that podcast yet. I've listened to a few writing podcasts and books and stuff. But that is, that is my problem because every time I hear an author speak about their books, I want to buy. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. No, I really enjoyed that. Although it's the first of a duology, so it ends on a cliffhanger, which is like, oh, how long do you have to wait? Yeah. A year. A year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe because you're in with the author now, you can get an early copy. Maybe. Maybe I can get an early copy. The Seven Skins of Esther Wilding. So oh, I'm yeah. talking to Holly next week on the podcast about writing the second novel because that's okay. Like, that'll be interesting. Uh, she's like, yeah. Right. Uh, and such a beautiful person. And so <laughs> yeah, she's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. What else have I been reading? I don't know. It's all a bit of a blur. What have you been writing? What have I been writing? That's a good yeah. question. I'm still working on that sequel to Blackwater Lake oh, and cool. I'm probably about halfway through now. I haven't been doing as much as I should have mentioned to you earlier when life. before we started recording life. My mum's got into a nursing home and that's been taking up a bit of time. New grandbaby in the family, a wedding so coming up. I see things as well as exciting things. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm really actually enjoying just being back in that world and with those characters again and uh, really trying to push myself to do that. Just sit down and write and don't worry about you yeah. know what happens. Because yeah. as I said last time, I've just done with it become really caught up on that. Oh, but I've got to know what happens. Yeah. And even today, like I just went back into a scene that I'd had worked on last week and I hadn't got to again until today. And I, it was good because I'd left it halfway through. Yeah. And then I just thought, no, just start writing, just start writing. And Bless so you. I started writing <laughs> and then the character said something that I wasn't, or it went, the conversation, the dialogue went in a way I wasn't expecting it to go. And yeah. I thought, oh, yes, this is why you just have to go oh, writing. You do that. Yeah. Like, I, I find that like I flicked back through the work lines, you know, a couple of times when people have said they've read a certain part or something. And then it's reminded me, oh, I didn't even know. So an example, say there is a, a neighbor in this book that, I just was going to get one of the characters to walk her dog because the person needs to walk a dog to try and get banned. Long story. <laughs> and that neighbour became really important character and when you met, like really significant in a big reveal at the end and stuff. And so, yeah, it's just, it's magic when you do just go with the flow. And I think we all have a, because we're readers and because we read a lot and we know story and I think we've just got a subconscious, our brain is doing more than we think it is yeah. behind the yeah. scenes. But it's so hard sometimes to just go with that because of that pressure that we're thinking, oh, but I want this done. I want to be able to publish yeah. it. And so it's always like the balance. But, yeah, I really think like, listening to your gut and trusting the magic can be amazing. Also, so I really love who do that, Leanne Moriarty and Marion Key and then Minnie Dark, who Australian one. Like, yeah, uh, it's like these are some of my favourite books and that's how the authors do write. 
Yeah, but, you've just, and I'm sure I know that they all feel sometimes, oh my goodness, I don't know how to continue. Or, and so I just think, yeah, it, it can be so amazing to write that way, but it can be also very scary. Yeah, yeah, and no, I'm pushing through the fear. But you mentioned Minnie Dark and she was on the podcast with yeah, Kathy so- Hamer chatting to her. And I was really interested in her saying she has this sort of persona that is who she is as a writer. You know, like so she sits down and she becomes this other person type thing. She writes, yeah, yeah. I know. I I read. I've heard that a few years ago, and I thought I love that so much. I wish that I'd had a completely different name almost, but then I would get confused because. But I know I know what she means though, because I have Rachel's name. You know, my real name. Yeah. Um, and Pam's your real name. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But after knowing you this long, don't tell me that. <laughs> no, it's definitely my real name. Yeah. And, but I think I, it's John's not my real last name. And in some ways, I guess I can relate to that because my real last name is what I do when I'm dealing with kid admin and. Yeah, that's true. Like all that kind of stuff. But my John's last name is is when I'm talking to readers, when I'm doing things like this, when I'm in my office. So it does become like two people, but she takes it to that ex- other extreme. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you're almost slipping into the skin of that writer person. Yeah. Okay, now I'm ready to write. Yeah. And like that. that takes a bit of pressure off because it's, that's not really you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so that person can do whatever. It doesn't matter. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I must listen to that again, actually. Yeah, a lot of good stuff in that chat. <laughs> um, any have you come across any good craft books lately, right? You know what I'm like. I know what you like. Buying books, but not necessarily <laughs> reading them. <laughs> you think to show you actually? Excellent. Um, and you can see just like each of them have like I've read a few pages. Have you had Lisa Jewell on the podcast before? No, but maybe yeah. I should put her on the list. Definitely. Lisa Jewell, I've been following since the very first book, Ralph's Party, which was common years ago. I know she hates the term chiclet, but I'm hesitant to say that, but that, yeah. that's the genre that it was at that time. And now she writes thrillers, like domestic thrillers and things like this. She's changed quite a lot. But there's this book I must get back to. In fact, I think I might take it with me on my trip in the next year. And it's called The Truth About Lisa Jewell. And it's a year in the life of her writing. Oh, wow. wow. And it's written by, I know there was another guy that followed it. Yeah, that book. But was it, did someone follow Lee Child or? Um, oh, yeah. There was yeah. somebody that followed Lee Child and put that in on his writing. Yeah. So I haven't read that. Yeah. It's kind of like that, that. So it just shows again. And Lee, Lisa Jewell is another author who writes very intuitively. And doesn't really, sometimes she starts her whole book just with a scene that she's seen, like someone walking along the street. <laughs> she said the one she's currently writing, I heard this in a podcast the other day, was um, she saw, she was walking and she saw a guy on a laptop through a window and she wanted to write a book about him. And then she goes from there. So yeah, I'm not finished this, but it is quite interesting. And I do love listening to this while I love writing podcasts and I'm sure that's why you love doing it. I love yep. to hear about the process and all that. Yeah. Stuff. So yeah, the other one I've got which I haven't done really, is Great Stories Don't Write Themselves by Larry Brooks. I do have one of his books. Oh, I've got one of Larry Brooks and I started oh. it like you and then got a little yeah. way in and then got <laughs> sidetracked, yeah. I know. So this is, it's interesting. If there's plotter or panther, that's not the right question and it goes on about, yeah, all the things. Criteria-driven strategies for more effective fiction. So I'm, and then creating characters. I heard that was a good one. So I haven't even looked at it. Who's that one by? Dwight V. Swain. I think I thought. Oh, Dwight Swain. Yeah, he's had a few out too. I thought how to build story people. I very much, uh, well, you can see I got this one at the writing conference, The Secrets of Character. Oh, did you get that at RWA? Yeah, writing a hero anyone will love. And I think I'm very much a person who, I don't feel plot is my strong point. I don't feel coming out with high concept stories is my strong point. And so I hope that it's character that helps. So, so I'm always keen to learn more about character. And when I read an amazing book, that's it's the characters that really draw you in. And so, yeah. yeah. What about you? Have you any crazy writing book? Why? I haven't got it with me. I did buy, actually, I bought the one that Sassy Green talked about when in the interview that I did with her, and that was called The Thorn Necklace by, I never heard of that. Francesca Leah Block. The Thorn Necklace. Yeah, the Thorn Necklace. 
And it, mm. I think it's taken from a Frida Kahlo painting where she's wearing like a sword necklace. Yeah. And it's very much about like writing inspiration, but she also has, she has exercise. It's part memoir, actually. Yep. It reminds me a little bit of Writing Down the Bones, yep. Emily yep. Goldberg. So it's part memoir of her life and then how she got to different points in her writing life. Yeah. And she's also got, I think it goes through about 12 different exercises and it's questions about the character, getting to know the character. Does it make you think too hard? I don't like the books that make you think. No, I actually, I went on, after talking to Sophie, actually, I think somebody, Joe Nell in our writing group might have actually found this article. And I don't know if it was on the the author, Francesca Leah Block's website or something, but she had an article which was basically based on the book and it pulled Mm -hmm. the 12 questions out that she had. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really, it was a really good way because I had been away from the writing and away from the project I'm working on for a while. And actually doing those questions was a really good way of just getting back into the story and thinking about the character. So, yeah, I'm going to you know, look up those questions. I, I just remember this one too. I don't know. Um, oh, the Pocket God Japan thing. It's really good actually. Yeah, it's by ML Ron. And I bought it because I did a pantsing workshop at Adam Way and I, it's very hard to find books about pantsy, but this is really good in terms of just some sort of strategies to how to trust a process kind of thing. Yeah. Was that the one you mentioned in the workshop that you yeah. ran? Okay. Yeah. I need to get that one because that sounded really interesting. Yeah, because I wish that I'd found it earlier than a day or so before the workshop because then I would have put it on the reading, like the list for the bookshelf, the bookseller. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good, actually. Really basic, but I'm really, yeah, really good. What, were there a couple of other books that you mentioned in the workshop about pantsing? So that one, I also need Story Trump Structure, which is really good if you're yeah. a pantser, and Writing Into the Dark by Dean Leslie Smith. Oh, yeah, that was one that, I, yeah. that sounded really interesting. So, like, for me, it's good pantsing books. The Story Trump Structure by Stephen James, Writing Into the Dark by Dean Leslie Smith, The Pocket Guide to Pantsing by ML Ryan. Yeah. I'll put all those in the show notes too because people will be interested in that. So. Where are you at the moment? You're about to embark on a a tour. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going next week. I'm going to New South Wales. We're starting with Better Reading Launch. I know I was saying the launch at some talk at some little library with my wonderful writing friend Amanda Knight. So I'm going New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, and Tasmania on this tour because, yeah, as we said before, I haven't been able to do any event interstate in the last three years. It doesn't feel like that long, (laughs) but it has been that long. And so, yeah, big tour this time and lots of, yeah, hopefully meeting readers and booksellers as well as the events like at bookshops and things like that. So, yeah. You're doing one at the HarperCollins offices next yeah. Thursday, I believe. I'll be seeing yeah. you there. Yeah, you can. Yeah. I yeah. 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 bought tickets yesterday. Oh, awesome. Because yeah. that's definitely really fun and an opportunity for anyone and so I don't know when this is being broadcast, but, yeah, an opportunity for anyone who wants to look inside it, see inside a publishing company mm. often events are done in bookshops and libraries and we all love bookshops and libraries but this is a good opportunity to see actually inside the publishing company yeah no i'm looking forward to it because i i know there is a bit of a author catch-up too happening and i'm on yeah. a hen's weekend for my daughter that's fair um, enough that's a good excuse yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are you fun. it will be well, i'm hoping it will be there's me and a bunch of 26 year olds yeah <laughs> We'll see. You should write a book about this, Pam. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll take my notebook. I am also there as grandmother babysitter as well. Uh, hey. yeah. Yeah. Well, you should write a book called The Hen's Night. And yeah, that, All right, leave that with me. There could be something in that. <laughs> Are you working on a new one at the moment as well as all the other many things that you're doing? No, not really. I'm between, that's why I'm just doing some reading and thinking about the next book. I always like to know what I'm going to write next, especially I said to my publisher, I, I won't get to do, I, I get exhausted on after events and stuff. I don't know about you, but like this, I don't understand yeah. what we can do writing and also book tour because yeah. I feel like I'm just tired, even though I've got some areas where I've got quite a bit of a break. It's probably my mind. I should just tell myself, no, do this. But then I figure out, no, it's time to, you need to have breaks and stuff. And you need to enjoy that as well. Exactly. But I also think I like to, I don't know, I I always like to just be thinking about the next book. So I'll have a notebook in my bag and I'm reading, I don't know about you, but I like, because I write women's fiction and romance, I kind of 
alternate my reading a little bit, read other things too. I love reading mystery and crime and that, but I, now that I'm about to write a romance, I should, yes, no, sorry, women's fiction, <laughs> just some romance writing. But yeah, apart from Bridget Jones, which is, is another reason I'm reading that, <laughs> but, um, but I like to get in the zone of the type of book I'm writing. I know some people don't like to, but so I will read, now that I'm going into a women's fiction, I'll, I'll pick up some women's fiction novels and try and just get that in that headspace. Yeah. Sounds good. You have very recently chatted to Sally Hepworth for the podcast, which will be coming yeah. out in a couple of weeks. And yeah. I believe I haven't listened to it yet. I haven't even read that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure it's going to be great. So you and Sally were chatting about your, both each of you about your new books. Is that right? Yeah. A little bit. So we did, we did process. We're quite right. We write quite differently. Sally is more of a plotter. I'm definitely more of a pantser. But we also realised that other things are quite similar. So we talked about idea from the idea of the book where they both came from through to basically the editing and what was needed to be changed or not changed. Right. About that. And yeah, without writing life in there as well. <laughs> Can't wait to listen to that one. That was a really good, we came up with that very quickly. And then next minute I had it in turn. with up for our chat. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to catching up with you next week. This episode will be out before you arrive in Sydney, what? I believe. When do you? What day do you actually land in? It's actually coming on Tuesday. I've got the okay. event on Monday night in Perth, and then at six a.m. flight. Wow. So I can find books for Booktopia, but then yeah, so then I've got quite a chilled day on Wednesday, I think, because the book's not out yet. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll enjoy that, and I look forward to seeing you and having some bubbles on Thursday night. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks, Rach. Thanks for listening to Rights for Women. I hope you've enjoyed my chat with this week's guest. If you did, I'd love it if you could add a quick rating or review wherever you get your podcasts so others can more easily find the episodes. Don't forget to check out the backlist on the Rights for Women website. So much great writing advice in the library there. And you can also find the transcript of today's chat on the website too. You can find details on the website on how to support the podcast through Patreon and get exclusive access to the extended audio and video of the monthly craft episode. And you can connect with me through the website at rightsforwomen.com, on Instagram and Twitter at W4W Podcast, the Facebook page Rights for Women. Find me and my writing at pamelacook.com.au. Have a great week and remember, every word you write, you're one word closer to typing the end. <laughs>